God, we are in a busy season. Lord, a season of distractions and anxieties, of joy but stress. God, of to-do lists and probably not enough rest. So Lord, would you help us now to focus on you? Lord, I ask that you would quiet our hearts. Lord, that you would give us wisdom by your word this morning, that you would speak to us by the Holy Spirit through it. Lord, we praise you that you, you would come not only among us in the, the birth of Jesus Christ, but also that you would speak to us by this word. Lord, we confess, we, we take it for granted, God, that, that we can come together in this place where two or more gathered and know that you are here. Lord, that we can have our Bibles open and know that you, you give us a word for the week. And so, Lord, we pray just open our eyes to see you this morning more clearly that in our comings and going this week, God, we would not lose sight of the true reason for this season. So Lord, illuminate us now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen. So if you have your Bibles open, uh, turn with me to Luke's gospel. Luke's gospel. We're just kind of walking through this for our Advent series, and we're going to open up to Luke chapter 1, verses 26 onward. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 on. So let's, let's hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favor one, the Lord is with you. She was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you, will be, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. It's such a good word to return to every single year at this time of year. This morning, I want to talk about two things with you. I want to talk about faith, and I want to talk about doubt. Faith and doubt. And being that it's Christmas, just two weeks from now, I want to talk about what faith and doubt looks like in the context of our waiting. Remember how in elementary school, like two weeks went by, like forever? Remember that? It just took forever to get to Christmas this time of year. And now two weeks goes by, and we'll be there like that, right? You know, as we wait... No matter what age you are, waiting seems to slow time down. We learned that last week. Waiting is a difficult challenge for us as, 
as God's people as we maybe wait for that answer to prayer or wait for that tension in our lives to somehow find resolution, wait for that wrong to be made right or the, the question mark in our minds to be fulfilled. And that waiting, I, I feel like there often comes this, this wrestling of, of faith and doubt. Right, hear me out. Maybe it sounds like this. God, I know that you're near, but I don't quite feel you right now. Or Lord, I know you're sovereign. I know that you're all powerful, but life feels out of control. I, I know I'm supposed to put my hope in you, but things aren't looking up lately. And this isn't really a, a, a churchy concept, right? As, as a society, um, we know these two words really well. We talk about faith and doubt all the time. It might not be in the context of Christ and, and the Christian faith, but everywhere you turn, especially this time of year, it's right in front of you. You know, if you watch just about any secular Christmas movie, you'll pick up the theme. They might not be talking about Jesus, but everyone around at some point in those movies is talking about what it means to believe in something. And as you hear it more and more and you watch it more and more, we, we bring this confusion of what is faith and is it okay to doubt into our lives? Buddy the Elf, right? In Buddy the Elf's movie, why won't the sleigh fly? Because there's just no Christmas spirit anymore. Miracle on 34th Street, Doris says to her daughter, she says this really poignant phrase, she said, faith is believing when common sense tells you not to. Is that true? Faith is irrational? Ebenezer screws in Christmas Carol, he says, bah, it's humbug still, I won't believe it. Faith and doubt, these two concepts are all over this time of year. They are a part of the tension of our human condition. In my waiting, who am I going to put my trust in and what do I do with my doubts? And I feel like these two concepts are tossed around so much in our culture that we bring a very mixed bag of what they mean for us as followers of Christ. And here's why I bring this up. In our waiting on the Lord, we carry the exact same tension. Lord, I want to trust you, but this isn't easy. You know, one of the most well-known moments in all of Scripture Matthew 28 is the Great Commission, right? It's, it's been just days after Jesus' crucifixion. And the risen Lord comes to his closest followers. He had walked with them over the years. They had seen the miracles. They had put their trust in him. And we know this because they're now standing up on a mountainside waiting for the Lord to return, expecting, waiting for him to come. Jesus shows up just as he said he would as they're waiting on him in prayer. And look at this. In Matthew 28, 17, look at their response. When they saw him, scripture says, they worshiped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. See, it seems to me that in our waiting, there is this theme of faith and doubt that is inevitable on this side of eternity. We wrestle really with these two things all the time in life. So the question I want to address this morning is, as we look to the Christmas story and this story of Mary and Gabriel, what do we do with that? What do we do with our, our faith and our doubt? How does that play into our lives? And what I want to show us for the next few minutes is that the Christmas story, the story of Jesus' birth, is actually the perfect story to help us understand those two things. So last week we started with Zechariah, right? His wife, Elizabeth, and he had waited for an entire lifetime for a son. And in their waiting, you have to believe they had questions. 
Zechariah was beyond faithful through it all, but you know he had doubts. He had to have. So look at this in verse 13 again. The, the angel came, came to Zechariah with, with this message in the temple. He said, Gabriel, your prayer has been heard, or Zechariah, your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You will call his name John, and multitudes will rejoice at his birth. We learned last week that Zechariah's response was anything but giddy. Look at this in verse 18. He said, how shall I know this? I'm an old man. My wife is advanced in years. And so from the very beginning of the Lucan story, we find this faithful man, righteous and devout. Luke said he was walking blamelessly. And yet even in his belief, you now see cracks of doubt. Remember, Gabriel tells him, he says, behold, you will now be silent. You will now be silent and unable to speak, this next passage says, until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. So last Sunday, we left off with this cliffhanger and we learned that Zechariah had waited with his hands, walking with the Lord. He waited with his feet. He was righteous in his faith as he waited with his heart. But now he stumbled into doubt. And here's the crazy part. With that doubt, now comes consequences, right? Gabriel tells Zechariah, and now you'll be silent. Which again, I think begs the question, in our waiting, is there room for doubt? I mean, if it's true that all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us have fallen into sin, there is no one that's righteous, not one, as Romans tells us, then it has to be true that all of us at some point have wrestled in our faith. So the gospel of Luke now turns their attention to, Luke, or to Mary. There's this no-name woman from this no-name town somewhere in the middle of Galilee, that's all we know, a little town called Nazareth. And we find the same tension of faith and doubt playing in. It's almost the exact same scene, except for it's six months later. Same angel comes to Mary. He brings her the same package of news, same angelic timing, same surprise. Except for this time, it's to a woman. And unlike Zechariah, she hasn't been asking for a son, right? She's not even in that place in life, only betrothed. And the same angel, Gabriel, comes to her, he says, Mary... Don't be afraid, you found favor with God. Set your fears aside. Now, if I'm married, my first thought in that moment is relief, right? An angel of the Most High shows up and he tells you you're in good place with God. That's a happy thing. But then he goes on, he says, Mary, you're gonna conceive and bear a child. Now, that news alone would have been really hard to process, right? But Gabriel's fired up. This is an exciting moment for Gabriel, right? So he goes into a full-on sermon. He says, oh, and by the way, he'll be the son of the Most High. He'll sit on his throne with the father David. He's going to reign over the, all the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will have no end. But at the crescendo of this announcement, right, Mary's shell-shocked. I doubt she heard a word of that. Because her next question is, how will this be? How will this be since I'm a virgin? You see it? Faith and doubt. It's all over the Christmas story. It's all over our story. Two faithful people encounter God's word by an angel, right? Both wrestling with the news that they just heard. Let me ask you, why did Zechariah receive a sentence of silence? And Mary is given an answer to her question. Seems unfair, doesn't it? I mean, did you pick that up? Same angel, same announcement, same shock. 
One response is named sin. The other is faultless. Zechariah, we're going to close your mouth. Mary, here's your answer to your question. What is faith? And as followers of Jesus, is it okay to wrestle with doubt? Reminds me of a story years ago about a woman in Portland whose purse had been stolen. If you've ever been in that place in life, anybody ever been there? A couple... You know that's a vulnerable place to be, right? You lose trust in society. You start to be skeptical of everyone around you. You start to wonder what, what information this unknown person has and what they're going to do with it. Well, a few days after the incident, an officer was driving down the highway, and he saw this purse with all the items strewn across the road. So he picked them all up and did his investigation, and he sent her a text message. It said, this is Officer So-and-So from the Portland Police Department. I have your ID. Please contact me, and I'll get you your things. Can you guess what she texted back? This is what she said. She said, there's no way a cop has my cell phone number. Nice try, you creep. <laughs> right? She wasn't falling for that scam, right? And it's understandable why you would be chock full of doubt. She's wounded. She's been robbed. Her faith is shaken, and now she's waiting. And in the midst of her waiting, she's full of doubt. So... Look at the conclusion. Look what he sent her. Look at this picture. It's about as convincing as you can be, right? The article said she responded with emoji tears. You know, it's not under, hard for us to understand Zachariah's mindset, is it? Or to empathize with Mary's question. We live in a time where, where trust is no longer a given. A random phone number calls your phone. Do you answer it? Now, it's probably a scammer. An ad pops up in your browser saying you won the lottery. Do you click on it? Probably not. It's probably a virus. You get an email from the Nigerian king asking you for money. <laughs> See, we bring all this baggage to our faith, right? Particularly our faith in Christ and in a day that's ruled by skepticism, in our waiting, we automatically wrestle with doubt. Look at how Oz Guinness in his book, Two Minds, defines the idea. In fact, Oz was just in town here a few weeks ago. He says, to believe is to be in one mind about accepting something as true. To disbelieve is to be in another mind as rejecting it. To doubt is to waver between the two. It is to believe and disbelieve at once and so be in two minds. So let me just ask, on the spectrum of belief to disbelief, why did Zechariah get a sentence in his doubt and Mary's let off the hook? And more importantly, what does that mean for you and for me? I want us to zoom in on these two stories for a few minutes because as we contrast Zechariah and Mary, I believe we find an answer to our question. Look at this again. Gabriel comes to Zechariah. He says, your prayer has been answered. Zechariah says, how shall I know this? In the original language, the operative Greek word there is gnosko, right? It means to possess information about something, to have all the facts before you. This is the same word that scripture uses when it talks about God knowing our hearts later on in Luke 16. It is to know something intimately, to have all the facts and the evidence in other words, what Zechariah is saying is prove it. He's not just wrestling with hesitation on the spectrum of doubt. 
right? This is really a statement of disbelief. I don't trust you. I want the facts. I love how the Message Bible interprets this. It says, do you really expect me to believe this? Every time I go fishing, one of my friends wants to know how it went. And every time I text a report back, particularly a, a successful day, he sends me a text in reply. It says, send me a pic or it didn't happen. So you call this doubting Thomas syndrome. If I can't see the wounds in his hands, if I can't stick my fingers in the hole, it didn't happen. I don't believe. That was Zachariah's doubt. But now I want you to see Mary's response. It's actually, at first glance, it seems similar, but it's entirely different. Look at again at this. Mary says, how will this be? You notice the difference? This is not prove it. This is not an I want more evidence kind of statement. This is how in the world? See, this isn't skepticism, right? This is more like worship. It is in awe of your creator. It is astonishment. It's amazement. This is not, can I trust you or not? This is, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. I shared this a few months ago. Sometimes at night, I look up at the stars and as I see the, the, the galaxies, right, for miles, thousands upon thousands of stars, planets, constellations, the moon shining over the mountains, illuminating them at night, I hear that prayer, Lord, how is this? Who am I that you would be mindful of me? Your thoughts are so much higher than mine, I cannot attain them. Zechariah was not a moment of wonder sprinkled with doubt. Zechariah's was disbelief. But Mary's doubt, if that's what we want to call it, it was something entirely different. It was, ah, oh, it was, Lord, how will this be? See, faith is the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? It's, it's a grace given to us by this word. And the more that we read this good news, the, the more that our eyes turn back to him. But if that's true, what do we do with our doubts? See, and here's the question I think we have to ask as you look at those two stories. Here's the distinction. Does doubt lead you to worship and wonder and on praise? Or does it lead you to turn from God and disbelief? That's the question. Mary says, how can this be? She's terrified, right? But she's praising God. She's seeking him. And so Gabriel, in his grace, gives another word to her. He says this. He says, Mary, if you're looking to increase your faith, listen to this. Your relative Elizabeth, even in her old age, she's six months in pregnant. Everyone called her barren. She's been with child for six months, Mary. And this is a profound moment, right? Because Gabriel is telling Mary, look, if you are struggling to understand God's plan in your life in the future, what you need to do is better understand who God is in your past. If our, our God and his immutability never changes, if as the, the scriptures promise, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then all we need to do is look at who God was then and know that we still worship the same God now. And as Gabriel points to that reality, right? As he points to what God has already done by his very word, he concludes with one of the most powerful statements in all of scripture. And nothing will be impossible with God. Some of the staff a few weeks ago, we were talking about how to know the difference between what's real and what's fake. How do you know 
what's true and what's, what's false. And Kevin, our, our business administrator, he compared it to money. He asked us, he said, how do you know the difference between a real $100 bill and a fake $100 bill? All the staff guessed it. We all got it wrong. Kevin said, this is how you do it. He said, you tell the tellers to cling to the real thing over and over and over again. Have them stare at it. Have them run their fingers over it until they know what a $100 bill looks, feels, and smells like. And he said, and when they're given a fake one, they'll know it. See, what I'm trying to say is that if you are struggling in doubt, if you've been waiting and your, your faith seems to be wavering, here's what our lesson points us to. Open up the scriptures and remind yourself over and over and over again about who God is and how good he is and what he's done. John Calvin himself, pioneer of the faith, giant in the church, scholar of the word, his faith is impeccable. Even he wrestled with his faith. He once said it like this, see this on the screens. He said, it's difficult to believe that our bodies, when consumed with rot, will at length be raised up in their season. In our waiting, right? In our, our clinging to faith, we, we struggle with this doubt. And yet if we go Mary's way, that doubt will actually lead us to stronger roots in Christ. If we go Zechariah's way, they'll go. But I want us to realize something really important this morning. This is kind of the cherry on top for me. See, for Mary, as, as she's seeking to increase her faith, notice how Gabriel does this. He says, Mary, there's going to be a sign. It's already been given to you. Your relative is six months in pregnant. She was barren. She was childless. She, she has this baby boy. If you want to know whether or not to believe me, look at what God's already done here. You with me? And if that's how Mary found the grounding in her faith, here's the poignant point. How much more does the Christmas story ground us in ours? Mary, your, your relative just had a son in her womb six months. Christian, Jesus Christ was already born, lived, died, and was raised from the dead. Do you feel the $100 bill? For unto us a child is born, a, a son is given. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. You want proof that God loves you? You want to know whether or not he's for you? You want to know if he's with you? Here's the story of how God answered a prayer of the people of Israel, prayed for centuries. A prayer for, for salvation and hope, peace and eternity. And Gabriel said, Mary, name him Jesus. For nothing will be impossible with God. As we wrap up, hear me clearly, this is super important. The Christmas story, as we hear it again and again and again, as we're reminded of God's faithfulness and his promise to his people, the good news transforms us from how can I know this to how can this be? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, would die for me? And so for now, we wait. But we wait with expectant hope, asking as Mary did for God to increase our faith. Will you pray with me?
God, we are a tangible people. We are people living in a material kind of place in a plastic kind of world, Lord, where it's, it's hard for us to decipher what's real and what's fake, what's authentic and what's inauthentic, what's, what's believable and trustworthy and, and what's not. So God, we just confess again to you that the times in our lives where we've doubted you, Lord, where we've, we've wrongly asked the question, how can I know this? I need to know more. When what we should be asking is, Lord, how? How can this be? So God, we pray, would you increase our faith? Lord, would you help us to trust in you with all that we say and all that we do, all that we are? Lord, and might that faith that's in us be contagious to others as they see us looking back and looking forward and trusting in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.